Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page. Hi and welcome to another edition of Talking Wyndham, the podcast from the Committee for Wyndham. And of course, talking about the things uh, that happen in our city, the people that uh, are in our city and uh, some, of the, the, some of the hidden treasures and some of the ones that are so obvious, they stick out like a racing club. And we have one of those. We're very fortunate to have the Werribee Racing Club. And uh, as part of that, of course, is the International Horse Centre and the Quarantine Centre, which plays such a major part uh, in the uh, in the shaping of the Spring Racing Carnival. And as we've seen of uh, the recent days, uh, such a, a major part in the uh, in the Melbourne Cup, uh, the biggest race, the one that stops the nation. Uh, Paul Bloodworth is the general manager of International Racing Operations for Racing Victoria. His job basically is to uh, find that overseas uh, international horse talent and bring it to Australia for the Spring Racing Carnival. We're very fortunate that he's our guest on this podcast. Paul, thanks for joining us on the Talking Wyndham podcast. It's uh, been obviously a very busy time for you. Hi Kevin, yeah, and thanks for having me on the on the podcast. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a hectic few weeks. Uh, really, from the time the horses uh, arrive out at Werribee, uh, which is Grand Final day most years, and we have another shift a couple of weeks later. Uh, there's not a lot of time left uh, available for anything other than working uh, around the international side of things uh, for Race Victoria uh, and around the Spring Carnival. So. Uh, it's been great to get the Melbourne Cup out of the way. The internationals didn't win, but it was great to see uh, a locally bred and trained horse win uh, because we need those uh, to continue um, because, you know, it is our greatest race and don't want necessarily the internationals coming and winning it every year. The uh, the importance and the impact that uh, the uh, International uh, Horse Centre and the Quarantine Centre at Werribee has on, on the Cup Carnival, on the Spring Racing Carnival in general, is it's massive, isn't it? Yeah, look, we think it is. Uh, the the you know, the internationalisation of the Victorian Spring Carnival started in 1993 uh, with Vintage Crop coming out and winning winning the Melbourne Cup that year. And ever since then, we've had regular amounts of horses coming. But in the last 10 years, that's accelerated uh, since we've moved to Werribee. Uh, we've got greater capacity to have horses at Werribee now. We've got a maximum capacity of 32 horses out there. In the last two years, we've been basically full, full house sign up at Werribee. Uh, with, you know, last year we had 32 horses and this year we had 28 internationally trained horses, uh, at the facility, uh, through spring. So it is, it is vitally important because they, the, the horses add, uh, extra depth and quality to our races. And we saw that through horses like the Japanese horses this year, like Murder Glass and Liz Gossier, who, who won the Caulfield Cup and the Cox Plate respectively. And, and then in the Melbourne Cup, 11 horses from international trainers contested the race. So it adds a lot of depth and quality. Adds a lot of colour. I mean, it means that people like Frankie Dottori come and ride in the Melbourne Cup. We had nine or ten uh, internationally based riders ride in the Melbourne Cup this year, so that, and, and several different trainers as well. So it just adds an extra level of uh, publicity and flavour to the carnival. Makes our races renowned around the world, um, and just adds overall to the, to the Spring Carnival, which you know is one of the greatest in the world. Yeah, the ripple effect it has uh, is is quite amazing, and though I, I guess the the ripple effect uh, economically that it has on the on the city of Wyndham is quite astonishing too. Yeah, look, I don't know the exact figures, but um, I've, I've had a, I've had a few conversations with the with the city of Wyndham 
uh, team around possibly at some point doing an economic in- impact study around that. But from our end, um, you know, through the hotels that all the guys stay at the Quest Hotel uh, in Werribee, uh, we had around 80 staff staying, staying there this year. Um, and then you've got all the suppliers and all the restaurants and, and coffee shops and everything like that around that the guys all, uh, you know, frequent through their stay here. And then some, some of them are here for two months as well. So it's got to add a significant economic benefit to not only Werribee but surrounding suburbs as well because I know that a lot of them go to the Werribee Plaza a lot, places like that. So yeah. it, it's got to have a significant economic impact uh, on uh, the local areas. Uh, and I think it's also great for the area as well to have such fantastic horses down. I mean, lots of people come down to Werribee each day to watch the horses work. Uh, it's freely available for people to go and sit in the grandstand and watch you know, world-class horses uh, exercise each morning at Werribee. Uh, and I think it's just great for the overall local community to have such uh, an important part of the Spring Carnival right on their doorstep. And I don't think it's underplaying it to say that uh, the uh, the uh, acquisition and the and the building of the International Horse Centre and Quarantine Centre uh, pretty much saved the Werribee uh, Racing Club. Yeah, look, it's fair to say that um, we, we may have to make a decision in 2009, at the end of the 2009 spring, we formally held quarantine at the Sandown Racecourse, which is run by the Melbourne Racing Club. Uh, they had basically approached us saying that they'd, they'd prefer if we didn't conduct quarantine there anymore. So we needed to find a new quarantine centre. And one of the, the main uh, you know requirements under our biosecurity rules is that we couldn't have horses trained at, at where, wherever it was going to be that we had the quarantine facility uh, because the international horses can't be anywhere near any local horses. And so Werribee at the time was, was going through some, the Werribee Racing Club going through some, some difficulties and um, and and you know and and it was also a centre that didn't have any training so and reasonably close to the CBD as well so it ticked a lot of boxes um, and we were happy to help the Werribee Racing Club through those issues I mean it's got a long and uh, storied history the club and you know Maccabi Diva won a Werribee Cup many yep. moons ago before she went on to her winning her three uh, Melbourne Cups so you know the, the Werribee Racing Club is always something that is valued by the industry. And it was great that uh, by building the quarantine facilities there, it was also able to assist this club through some tough times. And I think now, um, you know, they're in a little bit of a difficult situation because Racing Victoria basically take over the centre from September through until the end of November. Uh, and we require them also not to have any traffic on the track uh, from around May onwards. It makes it difficult for them to run too many race meetings through the year, but they run now six race meetings through the year including their Cup in December, which is a very successful event these days. Uh, and the club is now financially stable and, um, you know, is a great asset to Racing Victoria um, when we're running the quarantine facility. Uh, the new CEO, Adam Wilkinson, has been a great help this year and also Paul Downs, their track manager. I have to give special mention to him. He's an absolute workhorse and presents that track perfectly each day for all, all our international horses. Uh, who normally prefers soft ground to train on, so he has to water the track each day. But, but not only that, preparing the sand fibre track that we have there as well. He does a, an amazing job, uh, and we're very grateful for the work that he does, but just generally the support we get from the Werribee Racing Club and the local area. Now, have we reached the uh, the sort of uh, total capacity in terms of uh, internationals that can go through there? I think uh, Adam told me uh, in an interview we did earlier that there was something like 40 horses finished up going through there this year. You mentioned the capacity is 32, but is that is that are we at uh, at that point where we can't expand it anymore? 
Yeah, so we, we have had around, four, I think it's been 41 horses through the facility this year. We had an earlier shipment uh, of horses in August uh, because what we were trying to do is we normally have um, a group of uh, horses that come through the facility that go to local trainers. We tried to have an earlier shipment so that those horses go to their local trainers' stables uh, earlier than uh, than sort of you know mid-October when they would normally go there as they'd come through the Werribee our main European shipments. So we had several horses come through at that point. Um, look, we've got, for when it's all finished, when the quarantine is all finished, we've got one yard with capacity for 16 horses and two other yards with capacity for eight horses. We can't have any more than 32 in the facilities at any one time. Uh, look, I don't think that we recently, only recently two years ago, opened up our third facility, which increased our capacity from 24 to 32. I don't think, given the facilities that we've got at Werribee and the impact on the track, that we would be considering building more uh, barns there to increase our capacity. We think 32 at this point is sufficient to provide horses across the Caulfield Cup, uh, the Melbourne Cup and the Cox Plate, as well as some of the support races like the Geelong Cup and, and some other staying races run across the run across the spring. So I don't I don't think at this point, certainly in the short term, we would be looking at increasing our capacity because I just don't think the facilities around in the grass track and the sand fibre track could handle more work on it. Because the reality is we've got, you know, twenty four to thirty two horses working on that grass track every single day. Yeah. Uh, which is a lot of work. So by the you know, and, and as I said earlier, Paul does a fantastic job at maintaining the track, but it's just impossible not for it to become worn. Uh, at the end of spring, I was out there this morning, and yep, and the track is still in very good order, and everyone's happy with it. But there's no doubt uh, it's starting to become worn. So if you increase your capacity further and put another eight or so horses on there each morning, you know, for, for more time, uh, that might uh, make it difficult to ensure that the track's in good order, you know, right up until races like the Melbourne Cup. So, so at this point, we'll, we'll maintain the numbers we've got. Uh, and hopefully uh, maintain that into the future so that they can come here and be successful during the spring. Paul, one of the things that's changed is it was uh, pretty much a coming and uh, running the Melbourne Cup, and that was it. Now it's, as you say, it's expanded into the Caulfield Cup, into the Cox Plate, into the Geelong Cup uh, and other areas, uh, and we're starting to see, which we didn't see for a long time, the Japanese horses come through. Do you expect uh, the kind of uh, makeup of the international horses to uh, to take a bit of a change of face in the next couple of years with more of the Japanese horses? Look, I'd hope to I'd, ho- I'd hope so. Uh, we all thought in, after 2006 when Delta Blues and Pop Rock Cornell of the Melbourne Cup that uh, the Japanese would just come back every year with some of their better stays and, and, and take the, the call for the Melbourne Cups each year. But it hasn't transpired like that. And the rea- reality of that is that uh, there's some fantastic staying races run in Japan. Um, in the next couple of weeks, there's a Japan Cup to be run. Uh, the day after the Cox Plate this year, there was the Tenno Show Autumn. Uh, which is one of the main feature races run in Japan through the year. Uh, and then in, the, at, in December, there's a race called the Arima Kinnan, which is, again, one of the most popular races in Japan. So there's opportunities for Japanese owners and trainers to compete in Japan on their doorstep at around the same time as the Spring Carnival. Uh, I think this year the, the stars aligned a little bit in regards to the quality of the horses that we've got. Damien Lane riding those horses, both Murder Glass and Luz Grisura in Japan, and a stint he did earlier in the year and then talking to the owners and the trainers about how suitable he thought they were for Melbourne. You know, I just don't think that's going to happen every year. There's also a champion horse in, in Japan at the moment called Armand Dai, who recently won the Tenno Show I just referred to. 
Um, and I think part of the reason Liz Masura was here is was to avoid running against her uh, in the Tenno show on the day after the Cox Plate. So, so the stars aligned a little bit. I really do hope that Northern Farm, the guys behind, uh, the three Japanese horses that we've had this year, uh, you know, bring horses back of that quality each year. Uh, but, you know, a lot depends on what the owners want to do and also what the trainer wants to do. So it won't necessarily happen like that each year. In regards to the, the you know, horses contesting other races through the spring, I mean, that's been happening for a little while. This year, there was probably more horses in races like the Geelong Cup and the Herbert Power, even the Crystal Mile, which uh, horse uh, of David Manuzier's won chief Ironside. And that can happen from time to time. It just sort of depends on, on the mix of the trainers that are coming and, and the types of horses that they want to bring. Quite often, you know, we had horses like Prince of Aaron uh, and True Self trying to win their way into races like the Melbourne Cup this year. and That's why they were targeting races like the Geelong Cup and the Herbert Power. Um, so I would expect that to continue because, look, our prize money is just so fantastic. Yeah. I even had a, was having a conversation with Richard Hannon's uh, lad that's been looking after Raymond Tusku, who ran in the Melbourne Cup yesterday, uh, oh, sorry, on Tuesday, and he was asking me about a race at Sandown in a couple of weeks' time, and I, and I said, oh, it's, it's a group two race. It's only worth 400000 He's like, 400000 That's That's amazing money, you know. Like, <laughs> for us, it's, it's actually not that big a prize money because our prize money is so good. But there, you know, that, and that's why we'll, we'll always have trainers bringing out horses, no doubt wanting to win their way into races like the Melbourne Cup through a race like the Geelong Cup. Um, but also happy enough if they don't end up doing that to be competitive in those races to help pay their way out here because uh, because our prize money is so fantastic in, in Melbourne. Paul, I know you've only been involved of, of recent times uh, in this part of the operation, but you've obviously been around racing for a number of years now. Have the challenges uh, got bigger or the challenges got uh, easier uh, as we've got more used to having more of the international horses uh, coming out here? Yeah, I've, I've only been fully responsible for uh, the recruiting of international horses the last two years, but I had worked closely with Lee Jordan, who had, was previously doing the role uh, and, had, and had spent a lot of time out at Werribee. Look, it's definitely, we've only been talking about this with our, with our team in the last few weeks. Um, you know, when I first started in 2006 with Race of Victoria, uh, I think we had eight horses come out for the Spring Carnival, internationally trained. And as we were just talking about, we've had 41 horses through the gates at Werribee, 28 horses out there at the moment uh, remaining at Werribee. So the the actual the volume of horses has increased dramatically. But we haven't actually increased the resources uh, attached to running Werribee and also running the international side of the business uh, by anywhere near that amount. So it is something that, that that's probably been one of the greater challenges. And we even you know we opened up a quarantine a new quarantine yard last year and increased our capacity there but didn't increase uh, our resources uh, attached to looking after it. So, so look, it's, it's a, it has placed a lot of strain on, on our, everyone's time uh, and, you know, and, and the club as well, to people like Paul Downs, you know, that, that work uh, level has increased. But, um, you know, we think the results out of that uh, are well worth it and it's probably just more an internal matter that we need to try and try and ensure that our, our resource levels are uh, at the right numbers that we need to accommodate all the horses and staff and everything else that goes with it, the trainers and the owners and the jockeys as well that come out uh, for the major races as well. So, so look, the, the challenges are there. I mean, obviously, we've also had an increased focus on this year on, uh, you know, the fitness of all the horses running uh, in the Spring Carnival, and, and that might prove a bit of a challenge with trainers uh, in years to come because clearly they, they don't want to bring their horses uh, all this way uh, and incur all that cost and, and then have to 
pay for that privilege, if you like, and not actually getting to the getting to the start in some of our races. So that's going to be a bit of a challenge for us ongoing to ensure that um, you know where possible we, we don't have horses coming that aren't you know are going to fail the vet when they get here. So that's just a, that that'll be an added. Uh, a thing to look at for us uh, over coming years. But you seem to have, um, I mean, the, the entire racing organisation and industry seems to have adopted a, a, a different, a new approach and a, a very high benchmark approach to the welfare of the horses. And this is what's happened uh, in this Cup Carnival seems to be the start of that. Look, absolutely. And, and you know, the, even, the, even the casual bystander would have seen a lot of the commentary around the welfare of our equine superstars uh, in recent weeks on things like the 730 report. Hopefully, some of your listeners would have noticed that Racing Victoria have responded to that by announcing a $25 million equine welfare package, uh, building on our current equine welfare strategies and policies that we have in place. So, you know, the welfare of our horses is absolutely the number one uh, priority of Racing Victoria. Uh, and then, you know, of course, you see, you saw this year with the added focus, as I spoke about, uh, on on the internationally trained horses and all horses, for that matter, heading towards our towards our future races. Because, with you know, clearly with racing in the spotlight through this period, uh, we need to ensure that uh, you know as much as we can possibly do is done uh, to ensure that all the horses that compete in our future races, which you know, have a huge public interest at this time of year, come home safely. Uh, and that's just not this time of year. It's all year round, but of yeah. course there's a heightened focus on it through the Spring Carnival and because it's the period we have international horses. And the unfortunate reality is last year we did have you know some injuries out of the Werribee uh, International Horse Centre, um, but some changes we made this year around improvements to the sand track and, and trying to spread the load of the horses coming uh, have have you know resulted in a, in a good uh, a good situation out there in regards to injuries to those horses we've had one one injury to one horse but but uh, luckily he's he's um he's going to be fine and we'll see out his career in a, in a paddock uh at Godolphin Starley uh facility here so um but yeah it's 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 obviously a challenge for us going forward um but I think as I said with an announcement like our 25 million dollar package uh, attached to equine welfare for the next three years um, you know, we're heading in the right direction in that regard and aiming towards a, a situation where we can reduce the, the you know, fatalities of our equine superstars as much as possible. And also the uh, the uh, close proximity of the uh, the vet uh, situation uh, in Werribee too is obviously a, a, a big uh, a big aid and a big uh, uh, box ticking exercise for the horses and for everyone concerned. I saw we, we saw Rostopovich has been out there uh, since uh, since the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, absolutely. We, we we have a partnership with them. Uh, they provide us. We have a surgery out at Werribee, which thankfully we ha- we don't have to use very often, but. But in the event that it is to be used, uh, it's the Werribee Vet Clinic that would provide those services. And, and as you said, Rostropovich is, is out there at the moment recovering after his uh, injury that he suffered in the Melbourne Cup. And Red Galileo, who uh, was injured at track work at Werribee last week, uh, went out there for his operation. And, and thankfully, that's all gone well. And now, as I said, he's off to a paddock to retire. But it is, it's a very important relationship we have with them. Uh, they provide a great service for us, and we and this year we introduced uh, what's called a standing CT scanner, um, which is leading edge technology yeah. uh, around the world. There's only there's only I think there's only two or three of them around the world. It's the only one in Australia, and it was a, a partnership between us, the state government, and Werribee, 
to purchase that uh, for use year-round in Victoria so that any trainers that uh, might have some concerns about their horses can take their horses out there and get that uh, that leading you know leading x-rays done uh, on those horses to help them manage whether the horse has got any injuries or not but also to be used through the spring carnival for our international and local horses uh, to assist our vets in ensuring that uh, all the horses that uh, are aiming towards races like the Cups uh, get there um, and, you know, with everyone knowing exactly where they stand in regards to any injuries that they might have, which normal X-ray machines aren't able to pick up. And that's the, the benefit of this. It's, it's kind of because it's such cutting-edge cutting, cutting edge technology, uh, it's, it's able to pick up other things that, uh, that maybe the sort of traditional X-ray uh, machines that uh, vets use isn't able to pick up. So... Very much in its infancy. It was used several times this year, times this year on, on horses out at Werribee. Um, but uh, I'm sure it will be a great asset to the industry uh, in years to come, not only through the spring, but, but year-round and a great resource for our trainers to use. The planning for the 2020 uh, Melbourne Cup and the uh, international invasion, I imagine, has already started. Well, I might take a couple of days just to, <laughs> <laughs> just to relax, Kevin. How dare you, uh, Paul? But, How dare you? <laughs> but look, to be honest, it does because... Uh, not not from a you know specific recruiting point of view, but you know not long after that, as I mentioned, the, the Japan Cups run uh, in mid-November, uh, and then we head to the Hong Kong International Meeting in December. Uh, then there's a little bit of a hiatus until probably Dubai in March next year. Uh, but from from then onwards, the European flat season kicks in, as as does the uh, the key races through the Japanese uh, you know uh, spring period. So all those horses, I, I start monitoring uh, and, and you know, basically making a list of the p- potential uh, targets that we have for this year's Spring Carnival. I, I, like This year, I, I went to the Dubai World Cup Carnival. Next year, I'm not sure whether I'll go to that again. I might, might actually go to Hong Kong uh, because there's some horses there that are uh, definite targets for our Spring Carnival. And then I'll end up in Japan in June for the Yusuda Kinner meeting and also go to England and Ireland and France in July uh, for a little period uh, and to speak to their trainers and, and target horses there. So it is it is almost a year-round. It is almost a year-round process identifying these horses. And, you know, a lot of the – because our carnival is so well-known, trainers actually have it on the radar all year round and, and have horses that they've, they've got in mind to target towards the race. So hopefully I'm looking at the same horses that they are uh, quite often you are, you walk into a yard and, and you start talking about horses and everyone's on the same page. But now and again, you you walk in and a trainer's got a completely different <laughs> idea of what right. horse you might you think you're bringing than what you might think he's bringing. But that's the whole purpose of going over and seeing them and um, and discussing with them, uh, you know, what horses they might be bringing. But also it's a, it's a long trip to Australia. Uh, you know, the horses, as I said, they arrived on grand final days. Some of them won't be leaving until sort of mid to late November. So they're here nearly two months. Yeah. And that's after two weeks quarantine that they had to do in their country of origin as well. So it is something that you do need to plan well ahead. It's not something that can be planned as an afterthought. And that's why going and seeing trainers in sort of June and July next year is important because uh, that gives them plenty of time to get their house in order and um, get everything organised so that they can come and compete successfully during the spring. Good on you, Paul. Thanks so much for your time and uh, keep up the great work. Uh, we love the international feel of the uh, of the Melbourne Cup and the Spring Racing Carnival and the, and also really enjoyed the uh, the major part that Werribee plays in that. Uh, we appreciate your time.
Oh, my pleasure, Kevin. And I, yeah, again, I'd just like to reiterate the, the great support we get from the City of Wyndham Council and also the Werribee Racing Club and just the city in general. All, all the guys that come out, they, they love spending time in Werribee and uh, I know everyone in the local community gets behind them and is very supportive. So uh, thanks everyone who might be listening in that area and uh, yep, we'll be back next year bigger and better. Good on you, Paul. Paul Bloodworth joining me there. Well, thanks to Paul, who obviously has uh, a big job ahead of him, but has done a fantastic job uh, for the uh, 2019 Spring Racing Carnival. And the uh, the mighty job that uh, that Werribee in the city of Wyndham plays in that is uh, is not ever to be underplayed and isn't underplayed by the people involved in uh, in racing uh, uh, at Racing Victoria and in racing in general. It's uh, a real little uh, real little hotbed of uh, of uh, the internationals and getting the inside oil on the horses that are coming out here and uh, all the people that uh, that come as part of that. So it's a terrific uh, initiative and a, a great thing that uh, that has been really warmly embraced by the people from the uh, the city of Wyndham and, uh, and and thanks for being part of it because it's uh, terrific and thanks to Paul for his time. Hope you enjoyed this uh, edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. Thanks for listening. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page. <laughs>